Right. Well, good morning, everyone. Um, if you haven't met me yet, my name is Michael, one of the pastors here at Cornerstone along with Campbell. Uh, today we're doing a once-off sermon in the book of Romans, and as Ian read out, we're looking at Romans chapter 8, verses 28 to 39. Uh, please have your Bibles open, or if you have uh, our order of service, have that open in front of you. We'll be looking at today's passage together. Um, but as we do, uh, let's open up together in prayer. Let's pray. Our dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this time together in your word. Our Father, I pray that you would be with each of us. Father, I pray that you would give us minds and hearts that are ready and attentive to, to hear your word. Our Father, I pray, please be with me as I preach from your word. Bless the preparation I have done. Lord, I pray through the preaching of your word today that you would be with each of us. Give us a better understanding of what your word says, particularly our passage today. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. I love the hymn, Come Thou Founts of Every Blessing. Uh, it's, a rich, it's a hymn that is rich in theology. It is a hymn that reminds of what Christ has done, what Christ is doing, and what Christ will continue to do when he either returns or when he calls us home. But as I sing this hymn, and I reach that final stanza, and I sing those words, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave, the God I love. As I sing these words, a thought enters my head. Will I stay grounded? Will I continue to hold firm to Christ? Or will I wander? Will I leave the God I love? Does anyone else feel like this? Does anyone else feel uncertainty? Doubt? Uh, what makes me have doubts? Uh, what makes any of us have doubts? What makes us have doubts that we will not stay secure in the folds of Christ? Well, it's our sin. None of us here are going to deny that we don't feel the effects of sin. And none of us are going to deny that we don't sin, that sin does not wage war within our minds, within our bodies. And there are certain sins which that prowling lion, the devil, uses to tempt us. There are certain sins within me, no matter how much I fight, no matter how much I pray, they are still there. And I can't be alone in this. All of us struggle with sin. Our sin just doesn't leave us. We battle with pride, with envy. We yearn for acceptance, desiring to be seen in the most favorable light by those around us. There are still sins that we battle with, desires for the flesh, desires for the things of this world, sex, money, power, control. And no matter our sin, we say with the Apostle Paul, who says in Romans chapter 7, although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man that I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Our friends, I know the struggle of sin is real. And we are left to ask, is there a solution? 
Is there something that can help us with the burden and the doubts that we have? Well, in our passage today, Paul has an answer. Paul gives us an answer. And it's an answer he presents throughout the book of Romans. The centrality of the letter of Romans is to remind the saints the gospel. And the work which Christ has done, is doing, and will continue to do. In our passage today, Paul reminds the saints the gospel, and in particular, of the hope and assurance we have in Christ. Let me say that again. Paul reminds the saints of the hope and the assurance we have in Christ. And he does this for us in three ways. Today we have three points that we're going to be working from. Our first point, God's unchangeable purpose. Our second point, the magnitude of Christ's power. And our third point, the certainty of our perseverance. Let's have a look at our first point together. And looking at verses 28 to 30. Let me read. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. Uh, what is God's purpose? Uh, God's purpose is to bring in his kingdom. Uh, God's purpose is to restore all of creation under his rule. Uh, when Jesus came in the Gospel of Mark, Jesus' first words were, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the Gospel. Uh, the kingdom of God has come, but it is still coming. Um, if you've been with us over the last several months, we have been doing a series in the book of Revelation. And through the book of Revelation, um, we have been shown that it is the Lord Jesus who is bringing about the fulfillment of God's rule upon the whole earth. Uh, through our series, we have learned that God is in control. He is in charge, and He has ordained all that is ha to happen between Jesus' first coming and Jesus' second coming, when He comes and He returns and restores all things to Himself. Uh, the book of Revelation holds this tension of the kingdom of God having come, but the kingdom of God still coming. Uh, this has often been called the now-not-yet tension. And in the book of Romans, we see this also. Uh, chapter 8 tells us how the whole creation is groaning as it awaits the moment when all things will be restored and when sin and death will be dealt with. And God has chosen since the beginning of time those he foreknew to be part of his purpose. Our passage tells us that, those, tells us that we who have been called according to his purpose await and long for the restoration of creation, what the book of Revelation calls the new heavens and the new earth. Yet our passage says, until then, until when Christ comes back and restores all things to himself, those who have been called according to God's purpose, he works all things out for good. And none of us here have been nor will remain free from suffering. 
Some of us here know the tragedy of what it feels like to lose someone. Some of us know what it feels like to be trapped or feel directionless. All of us, all of us here have fallen ill, and I know some in our church are terminally ill. Some of us are even thinking to ourselves, are good things aren't happening in my life? And so as we read these words, that in all things God works all things for the good of for those who love him, we feel conflicted. And we, ask the, and we ask the question, what is the good that God is referring to here? Our friends, we have to put this in the context of God's grand, unchangeable plan. God's plan to bring about his kingdom. Now, the book of Romans tells us that when Christ saved us, when he justified us, we were given new life. We were adopted and made God's children. Sons who will inherit all that Christ has secured for us. As children of God, we await the full adoption as sons. However, until then, we are being transformed. Our passage tells us that those God foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Uh, this is the good that our passage is referring to. It is conformity to Christ. We might also refer to this as sanctification. That having first been justified, redeemed, and adopted as sons, we are now being sanctified, changed and transformed to be more like Christ. Uh, in this process of sanctification, we are learning to hate our sin. We are learning to repent of our sin. We are learning to walk in the ways that is pleasing to God. Um, in Christ, we were predestined. We were called, justified, and are being sanctified. And we will be glorified. Uh, verses 28 to 30 has often been cited as a proof text to the Ordus Salutis. Uh, the Ordus Salutis is Latin for the order of salvation. And the order of salvation is God's unchangeable purpose being worked out in us, in our lives. In our lives, there will always be mess. There will be always things going wrong. But we now, but we know the finished product and what it looks like. I think of it like baking a cake. As you bake a cake, the flour goes on the floor. A child pours half the mixture onto the bench. Mixing bowls are being stacked higher and higher. But the finished product is a beautiful, tasty cake. Uh, that's what the Christian life is like. Uh, they will be mess. Things will go all over the floor. But the finished product is the hope we have. The knowledge that Christ will raise us up on the last day. Uh, Philippians 1 verse 6 says, He who started a good work in you will bring it to completion. Uh, but some here may have doubts. Some here may doubt the certainty of these words. Some here will say, how do we know? How do we know those whom God has saved will make it to the end? Uh, for we all know someone who has walked away from the faith. Is it not possible for God's saints to lose their salvation? I simply put, the answer is no. Uh, the Westminster Confession of Faith, the confession which is held by the Presbyterian Church of Australia, 
uh, one section of our confession in chapter 10 um, says that people can experience what is sometimes referred to as an ineffectual call. Uh, let me read from the confession from us, for us. Our confession says, Others not elected, although may be called by the ministry of the word and may have some common operations of the spirit, yet they never truly come unto Christ and therefore cannot be saved. Much less can men not professing the Christian religion be saved in any other way whatsoever. Be they never so diligent to frame their lives according to the light of nature and the law of that religion they do profess. And to assert that and to assert and maintain that they may is very pernicious and to be detested. Uh, there will be those around us who will confess to be Christians. Uh, there will be those around us where we even see that the Holy Spirit has been working in their lives. But when the rubber hits the road, uh, they will deny Christ. I think of the parable of the sower. Uh, the parable, this parable shows us that some will, re will receive the gospel. They will receive it with joy. But their love for Christ has no foundation. When trouble comes, they will deny Christ. And by their response to the gospel, they will show they were never justified and saved by Christ. The question is, how can we have confidence? How can we know that our joy and our love will last until the very end? How do we know that we won't wander nor leave the God we love? Well, this brings us to our second point. Point number two, the magnitude of Christ's power. Let's look at verses 31 to 34. Uh, what then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus, who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Uh, what are these things referring to? Is Paul referring to everything that was said in the book of Romans thus far? Perhaps. Or is he referring just to the, the section that we just worked on? Verses 28 to 30 of Romans 8. Well, I think it's both. For everything that we have talked about so far in the book of Romans, and this includes verses 28 to 30, both are referring to the gospel. The gospel, the work of Christ, can be summarized in verses 28 and 30 of chapter 8. That those whom Christ has predestined, called, justified, and is being sanctified, Christ will one day glorify them. He will raise them up on the last day. And Paul is saying here, if God has done all this, if God has done all this for us, if God has done, things, done something so great as saving us, how can we then doubt God? How can we doubt Christ? When we fall on hard times. If God can breathe life into dead, dry old bones. If he can take us out of darkness and into light. 
then God can help us through our present difficulties. Remember what God has done for us. God has given us his beloved son. Jesus took the penalty for sin upon himself. He conquered death for us. In Jesus, we are able to inherit eternal life. Our God didn't spare his son. What is then stopping God from continuing to do the work that he has already started? He who started a good work in you will continue to do so until it is complete. Um, I was talking with John Jansen a couple of weeks ago. Uh, many of us here are aware of the struggles that John is going through. And he shared with me that in the midst of suffering, God can give us extra measures of his grace. That God can give us what we need during those times of difficulty. That God gives us even greater reminders of what he has done in and through the work of Jesus. Uh, John and I talked about the beauty of the gospel. The beauty of what Christ has done and is continuing to do in the lives of his saints. Uh, This is the same gospel that is continuing to work in your lives and is helping you during times of suffering and great difficulties. That same gospel is able to help you during those times when we feel the weight and burden of sin. Uh, Do you remember that prowling line we mentioned earlier? Satan? Uh, Satan will look for opportunities to confront us with our sin. Uh, He is known as the accuser, and he will say time and time again, Michael, Harry, Ian, Felicity, uh, look at your sin. How can you be a child of God? Uh, Look at your sin. Uh, You haven't changed. What a terrible lie. What a terrible accusation. A lie and accusation that can paralyze Christians of going back to God, our Father, in repentance and faith. Our brothers and sisters, it's during times like that, when the devil is telling us lies, when he is accusing us, that we need to speak the gospel to ourselves. Uh, We need to speak the gospel to each other. We need to remind each other what Christ has done and what Christ is continuing to do. God hasn't changed. If God took you out of darkness and into light, if Jesus has died for you, if he has given you life, then he can and he will help you with your current struggles. Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died. More than that, who was raised to life is at the right hand of God and is interceding for us. Jesus is interceding for us. Jesus is continuing to work in our lives. That is the magnitude of Christ's power. His power saves us, but his power also transforms us. It is the same power that will help us to persevere until the end. And this brings us to our third point. Point number three, the certainty of our perseverance. Let's have a look at verses 35 to 39. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, 
For your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. Now in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation, will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Our Satan cannot condemn us. And these verses here say that the world cannot condemn us either. Our Paul asks the question, can anything in the world separate us from the love of God? In John's Gospel, Jesus tells us that because we were chosen out of this world, the world will hate us. Because the world first hated Christ. Uh, because, because the Christian follows Christ, they will experience various hardships. Uh, they will suffer for the name of Jesus. As several years ago, Campbell said to me, as a preacher and servant of God's word, you will face persecution. And he said to me, you have to ask yourself, Michael, are you ready to die for your faith? Confronting, I know. But I think this is a question not just for those in formal ministry, but I think it's a question for all Christians. For we have all been called into Christian ministry. The Apostle Paul, as he quotes from Psalm 44, he is saying that death should come as no surprise to the Christian. Paul knows that Christians will die for their faith. And we know that this is happening in the world around us. We know that our brothers and sisters around the world are dying for their faith. And none of us here in Australia are dying for our faith. But we know that Christians here are being forced, they are being pressured to privatize their faiths. We also know of Christians who are being taken to court and who are having to give a defense for what they believe. Our Christians are facing pressure now. And it may well happen in our lifetime that Christians will lose their homes. Freedom's taken away. It may happen that we'll be forced to wear a cross, a sign that we follow Jesus, but a symbol to everyone else, telling them not to associate with the Christian. Friends, are we ready to die for our faith? Are we ready to lose our jobs? Are we ready to lose our houses? Are we ready to stand firm through the pressures that we are facing right now? Whatever comes our way, we need to hold firm to Christ. We need to hold firm to the hope that we have in Him. Uh, what is this hope? Well, Paul says, In all these things, we are more than conquerors through, whom, through Him who loved us. Uh, what does this mean? to be told that we have already conquered. What Paul is saying here is that we have, if we have been justified by Christ, if we have been adopted by God, then nothing in this world can destroy or weaken our faith. Uh, Jesus tells us in the Gospel of Luke that when we are set before the authorities of this world, the Holy Spirit will teach you that very hour what you ought to say. I can't help but think that the Holy Spirit will during these times remind us the gospel. That he will speak the gospel to us. 
and urge us to speak to the gospel to those around us. Speak the gospel into the lives of the authorities before us. Uh, the Apostle Paul in the book of Acts, as he stood before King Agrippa, as Paul stood before King Agrippa in chains, he proceeded to share the gospel. He shares in such a way that is winsome to the king and to those around him. And I think that's what would happen to us if, if and when our faith is tested and if and when we stand before the authorities, the Holy Spirit will comfort us. The Holy Spirit will remind us who we are, that we are a child of God, justified by Christ, awaiting our full adoption as sons. And in that hour, He will give us the words to speak the gospel, not only to us, but into the lives of those around us. Brothers and sisters, if we are in Christ, we are more than conquerors. And nothing in all creation, the Apostle says, can separate us from the love of God. There will be struggles, and we will feel like at times that the world is against us. However, take comfort, Christian. Take comfort of what Christ has done and what he is continuing to do in your lives. If we are in Christ, Christ has guaranteed that we will persevere until the very end. So, for, so friends, how shall we leave today? How shall we leave today having been reminded of the hope and assurance we have in Christ? Having been reminded of the gospel. Well, the main application is keep reminding yourself the gospel. Keep reminding yourself and others of the work that Christ has done. Our sin doesn't take a break. Sin is going to remain prominent in our lives. Uh, if you are with us today and you haven't put your faith and trust in Jesus and you are feeling the weight if you are feeling the burden of your sin, my appeal to you is, come. Come to Jesus. In Jesus' life. In Jesus' hope. In Jesus' purpose. Come to Jesus. And for the Christian here, keep coming back to Jesus. As you feel the weight of your sin, don't run from Jesus. Don't listen to the devil's lies. Don't be paralyzed by him. But come to Jesus. Stand firm in Christ. Keep reminding yourself the gospel. Keep reminding yourself what Christ has done for you and what he is continuing to do for you. Friends, a great reminder um, for ourselves of, of the gospel and the means of grace that Christ has given us is to remember what Christ has done for us and the graces he has given us, his church. God has given us his word. God has given us the sacraments. God has given us the church. And God has given us prayer. Our friends, we need to be coming to God's word, sitting under God's word, reading God's word for ourselves. From God's word, we are reminded and comforted of the work that God has done for us and is doing in the lives of his people. Our Christians need to also partake in the sacraments. Our baptism is an outward sign and seal of the grace and work that Jesus has done in the lives of his saints. We also need to partake in communion 
Communion is a meal where we proclaim and remember the Lord's death. Are these sacraments a reminder of what Christ has done for us? That in Him we have been given life. In Him we are made right before God. In Him we have been declared righteous. In Christ we can come before the Father without any fear or condemnation. And brothers and sisters, we need to be encouraging one another. God has given us the church. In the church, we have brothers and sisters in Christ who can encourage us, who can read scripture to us, who can pray with us. Our friends, we need to be encouraging each other as we meet together here on Sunday, but also as we meet together throughout the week. And by all means, friends, come to God in prayer. Be speaking with your Heavenly Father and asking Him to teach you and remind you of the work that Jesus has done. Pray that the Holy Spirit would continue to work in your life and conform you into the image of Christ. And let me end with this. Until the day that the Lord Jesus returns or calls us home, we are going to struggle with sin. We are going to feel the burden of sin. That prowling line is going to be relentless and continue to attack us. And there will be times when we feel those words resonate within us. Prone to wonder. Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. But here's the good news. Our salvation rests entirely with Christ. He who started a good work in you will continue to, continue to do it until it's complete. That him I love, come thou found of every blessing, ends with wonderful words of the perseverance of God's saints. Prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. But here's my heart, Lord, take and seal it, seal it for thy courts above. Let me pray. Our Heavenly Father, I we thank you for your gospel. Thank you for the work that Jesus has done in our lives, is doing in our lives, and will continue to do in our lives. Father, I pray help each of us here to be strengthened and reminded about the work that Jesus is doing. Help each of us through the work of your Holy Spirit to speak the gospel to ourselves, but also to those around us. Lord, we pray that through your gospel, you would continue to build your church, both in number and in maturity. And we pray this in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.